Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I am bringing you a message rather than a teaching session and I have taught before I used to teach post 16 but I want to share with you something that the Holy Spirit has been teaching me for the last six seven months is that okay and I'm not a person who has lots of visions and dreams but I was praying and sometimes you become familiar with the things of God and that's quite dangerous, you you take them for granted. And I was praying in my closet and all of a sudden I had this picture of this well and away from this well was a man coming out of a desert and he was tired and parched and blistered and thirsty and I could feel his anticipation that he could see the well. As he approached the well, it looked beautiful. There was grass and there was palm trees. And excitement began to grow within him because he thought, I'm going to have my thirst quenched. He got closer and saw a bucket and he thought, yes. He put down the bucket and with the last ounce of energy this man had, he pulled up the bucket only to find there was no water in the well. And I could feel the desperation of this man no water to quench my thirst, nothing in the well, all my hopes and all my expectations gone. And I said, God, what what have you brought me? Why is this picture here? And he took me to um, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 12. If you want to turn there, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked utterly desolate for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me they have forsaken the river of living water and have hewed out cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water and 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 i'm sitting and i could feel the holy spirit grieved by this and and i'm thinking don't leave me here and then he took me to john 7 verse 36 he that believes on me as the scripture has said out of his or her innermost being will flow what will flow rivers of living water This challenges me, church, because I'm going to be really honest with you. We have been in seasons in our life, Paul and I, where it feels like the anointed, the river of God is just flowing out of you. And you pray for people and they get healed and you have prophetic words and you walk in the spirit and where you go, you meet people and you connect. But I'm going to be honest, it's not like that most of the time. So this challenges me. Because I know it is possible. Jesus Christ stood up and said, out of my innermost being, out of your innermost being, come flow rivers of living water. 
Can I just have the lights on a bit? Is that okay? I can't quite see up here. Anybody put the lights on for me? Yeah? Thank you. Um, so I just want to go through scripture with you. That's better. And, and have a look at, is it possible that every day in your life and my life, we can walk in the flowing and the unction of the Holy Ghost? Because I've been in church a long, long time and I'm tired of hearing about it and seeing glimpses of it and trickles of it. But actually what this world needs is rivers of living water church. And sometimes, and I, and I say this with the greatest of respect, we play at being Christians. And, and I'm including myself in that. We come along and, and we expect certain things and, and we don't really believe that the supernatural power of God can flow through this building and can flow through you. So I want you to look at that when you open the Bible, you can't just read a chapter and a verse. All you theologians know that. The Bible is like a novel. So you have to see it in its whole context. Read it from beginning to end. It's a really good thing to do with that. And then you will see the whole reason God put things in Scripture. Water was right at the beginning of the Garden of Eden. And we talk about um, rivers of living water at the heart of creation. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve uh, were in the garden, there's not a lot of detail about the holies of holy and the presence of God, but there's five verses all about rivers. Who can tell me what the rivers did? Anybody know what the rivers were for? No? The rivers were there to water the rest of the earth. Thank you very much, assistant. Are we on? Yeah? Thank you. The rivers were there to water the rest of the earth. So go with me to Genesis 2, verse 10. Genesis 2 and verse 10. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. And then it goes on to name the rivers. It is the one that flowed around the whole earth of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So it tells you in this garden that was perfect, there was these four rivers. And the reason these rivers were there were to water the whole earth. Can you see where I'm going with this, church? The reason the river was there was to water the whole earth. The only reason we are left on this earth and not in heaven is that the river of God flows through you and flows through me to water the rest of this earth. And you have to get to a point and I have to get to a point where you believe that you are the answer. You carry the very DNA, the Holy Spirit of Christ. When you move out of Genesis, it goes into lots and lots of other books. And if you ever want to do a study, look for the word water as it runs through the Bible. But we go on to Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. You all know this one. He is like a tree planted where? By streams of water. The water makes them fruitful. And then we go on to Ezekiel. Ezekiel gives this amazing, amazing description of the river that transforms the sea into fresh water. What Jesus is saying then is that he came to give us the Holy Spirit 
that was created to live within me and you that would flow out to the nations. There is a misconception that the Holy Spirit is for the church. It's not just for the church. He is to communicate the love and the power of Christ to the rest of the world. So I'm going to give you some context now of when Jesus stood up to say, stood up to say this. If you go to John chapter 7 and verse 37, this is when Jesus made this remarkable statement. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, a great study in itself, commonly known as the Feast of Booths. And really what the Israelites were celebrating was they'd been in tents in the... Um, wilderness and God had brought them out of the tents so they no longer lived in there into a land flowing with milk and honey so they used to set up little booths but if you study this festival it's absolutely phenomenal so day after day they would go and they would go up to the temple and where the temple altar was the steps would run down and a priest would have a pitcher of water. Get this in your head because this is symbolic about what we should be like. And he would pour the water from the altar. It would run down the steps. The other side, another person would stand and he would pour out a pitcher full of wine. What does that say to you? Wine and water, wine and water. Coming together, flowing down the temple. The Holy Spirit, every time it talks about, is either water or wine. Who is the temple of the Holy Ghost Church? A massive illustration of out of our temple of the Holy Ghost should flow the Holy Spirit down the steps. Doesn't stop in the church. Out, 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 out into the world. And in the midst of all that, and, and it was such a poignant ceremony for lots of Israelites, they used to sing, with joy shall we draw wells out of the water of salvation. So they'd got the lingo, they'd got the ceremony, but they didn't realise what it meant. And in the midst of all that, it says Jesus stood up and almost shouted in a loud voice. It's interesting that he would do that at this point, and lots of scholars say that it was because he was saying on the eighth day, it is now finished. No longer do you need this symbol anymore because I am not one just giving you water. I am water. Yes. To me, that absolutely blows me away. I am not just giving you water. I am the water of life. Incredible. Lots of times it says in scripture about water being the answer. It says in Isaiah, everyone that is thirsty, let him come unto me and let him drink. So Jesus made this announcement and basically was saying to the people there that don't look to the past of, Egypt, of, of the Israelites, the desert experience, and don't even look to the future, but look to me. And I would suggest, church, that as a member of any congregation, we look to lots of things. We look to programs, we look to people, we look to the latest move of God and yet what we don't ever do is go and say, give me to drink and look at him. It's, it's amazing how we can slightly divert our attention onto lots of things and miss the Holy Spirit. So I want you to take you back to what Jesus was saying when he stood up and said, 
I am the water of life. What he was saying to you is, I have brought the Holy Spirit. And if you look at that scripture, he says to you, if you come to me, everything in you can be satisfied. And we preach when we're evangelists that you come to Jesus and he meets that fulfillment in your life. But when you actually get born again, you, you can really easily divert from that and not be completely satisfied in Christ. Can I just say that he is your fulfillment? It's not your wife or your children or your job or your money. It's found in him. If you look for completeness in other people, you will always be let down. And we used to, um, we teach lots of marriage seminars, Paul and I, but people will say, you can find your fulfillment in your spouse. You can't find your fulfillment in your spouse. And that's why there's so many problems, because you're looking at somebody else to fulfill that only the Holy Spirit can fill that aching and that void in your life. However long you have been saved, don't stop drinking. You will become dry and thirsty and life will become very difficult. So I want you to take you back to why we need the precious Holy Spirit. And there's four things I want you to note about Jesus. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. It says he preached under the unction of the Holy Spirit and he was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. I suggest to you this morning, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It, it, it bothers me so much when we think we can do it on our own. And Paul and I have toured quite a lot of churches and sometimes you can walk in a church and you know they are doing it without the Holy Spirit. Wells without water. And do you know the tragedy about that? People come in for deliverance, for healing, for salvation, and the water is empty and they go out the same. That's an indictment on us on, as a church. So I want to look at just a couple of scriptures. John 7, 37 says, this is what he's talking about when he talks about water. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried in a loud voice, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow these rivers of water. But this speak he of the Holy Spirit, which they had that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet come, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What he was saying is, he's coming. This comforter, this power, this unction, this third person of the Godhead is coming. And just like me standing here and saying, come drink, people should come to you and drink. So my question this morning, if people come to your life, is there anything to drink? And I'm just saying that to you. I'm asking me. I've been saved years and years, but it's easy to be full of things and empty of the Holy Spirit. And I have taught things and I've even given sermons and you will know if it's not done in the Holy Spirit, it is idle words. That's what we need. So I'm going to just be very, very simple and go back about the Holy Spirit because it's not complicated. When I became a Christian and asked Christ into my life, the Holy Spirit came in as well because 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are one. Then came a time when I asked the Holy Spirit to baptize me with himself and I began to speak in other tongues. That was a momentous occasion in my life because everything then became so much easier in the Spirit. Do you remember that time? If you've not been full with the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray afterwards for you. Really important. But this is what I want to say to you, beyond salvation, beyond being baptised in water and filled with the Holy Spirit, beyond all that, there is the third person of the Trinity waiting for you to get to know him personally. He's a person. Don't ever think he's a cloud or a form or a, or a puff of smoke. He is a person. He has feelings, he has emotions, he can be hurt. We've been in, in, in meetings and you can sense the Holy Spirit is coming and then someone stands up and, right, we're going to move on now. And he goes like that. Because our programs are too full. And we don't allow him to move. So who is he? I'm going to explain what I used to say to all three children. It's a bit like me asking Carol to switch on the light. Um, I ask her to do that, but who actually switches on the light? Carol. So Carol performs that act, but who actually makes the light come on? The electricity. So there are three things there. Children get this really easily. Um, so in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Jesus went and performed that, but the Holy Spirit brought the light. They work together. And I think it's really, really hard for us to get our head around it. But if you understand the Trinity, you will understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. You can get to know him. You can hear him. You can begin to listen to what he's saying to you. And about, I'd say about 15 years ago, Paul and I heard this message about practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Basically saying, remember, he is a person who is desperately wanting to communicate with you. So everywhere you go, whatever you're doing, what's the Holy Spirit saying today? Should I go down here? When I stand up in work, what should I do? That has been called being led by the Holy Spirit. So what is his job? The role of the Holy Spirit is to bring the commandments of the Father and performance of the Son. I cannot be in touch with the Father and the Son without the Holy Spirit. Can't be. Impossible. So why did God send the Holy Spirit? He said, I am going to send you a counsellor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. When I look through the life of Jesus, the reason he didn't have problems evangelizing was because he only did the will of his father. The reason he did the will of his father it was because he was in contact communion with the Holy Spirit. And it's not rocket science. Every single day, we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what gets in the way? Our own ideas, our own plans, our own thought processes. The fact that we don't put on the armour of God before we go out into the world. The fact that we don't spend time with him before we go out. But the whole reason you were created was for living water to flow out of you to the rest of this world. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Christ. I am controlled by Christ because the word filling means to be controlled. Paul and I have been in, in places in Africa where people are demon-possessed. 
And if you've ever seen someone, particularly children, it will take six men, grown men, to hold a young child down. What is that? It's the power of the spirit inside of them that is coming through them. Now, if the enemy can do that from that side, how much more, church, can the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, infill a human being and out of you flow the unction of the Holy Ghost? Don't you long to be there? Yeah. Aren't you tired of praying for people and nothing happened? Aren't you tired of not seeing the Church of Jesus Christ actually change a town and a nation? The Holy Spirit, and if you've got a pen, write this down. The Holy Spirit is your limitless resource. Limitless resource. An everlasting fountain. All you will need to be completely satisfied in Christ and to meet the needs of others. The Bible says, without him I can't do anything. But with him, with him, church, you can do all things. I want faith to start to build in you this morning that it is possible, absolutely possible, because it says in God's word that you can change a nation. And you might think that's not possible. The word of God says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. The Holy Spirit resides in me. It's up to me how much I allow him to flow out of me. I want you to go to Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 12. Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 12. And Ezekiel was a prophet who used to have pictures and he'd had uh, one about a wheel within a wheel, but this one is about a river. And a guide was showing him round. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east gate. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple south of the altar. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another threshold, a thousand cubits, and led me through water that was now knee deep. He measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no man would cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, where it enters the sea. Listen to this. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engadi to Engelen, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but the swamps and marshes will be fresh. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fall. Every month they will bear much fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. 
this is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. And again, go back to what Jesus' uh, celebration was talking about. Again, it's talking about the, the temple and the water flowing out of it. But there's a few things I want you to look at here. Jesus' words, lightening the Holy Spirit to rivers of living water. Number one, in verse one, you can stay on the bank entirely. Number two, ankle deep. Receive the initial presence of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Verse 4, you can wade in knee deep and you can minister as best you can with the Holy Spirit. Number 4, you can go in waist deep and you reconceive the baptisms of the Holy Spirit and begin to flow in the supernatural in your life. But this 5 tells us you can enter living waters that are over your head. And I'm going to be honest with you, church, that's a scary place to be because when it's over your head, you have no control. You no longer control your life, but the Holy Spirit is completely in charge. It's where I want to be. It's where I'm pursuing I want to be because where the river takes me, it's the only place that I will be fulfilled and fulfill what God has for my life. He said in verse 6, Son of man, do you see, but do we see this morning, the early church full of the Holy Ghost began to move, so much so that wherever Peter went, it says they laid people down so his shadow would touch them. What's that about? That's the river of living water flowing out of him. He goes to a temple and he said, a man looks at him who's lame and he says, look on me. Now, why would he say, look at me? Because he knew that out of him would flow the unction of the Holy Spirit. He said, get up and walk. He went and he stood up and preached and 3,000 people were saved because the river of God was flowing out of him. The problem is when you submit yourself like that to the Holy Spirit, he will take you where you had no idea of going because the river will run. If you try and swim against that river, you will go under. But if you relinquish all your dreams and hopes and plans and say, Holy Spirit, I don't care what it costs. I don't care where my life goes, what you do with me and my family. I want to pursue the will of God. I want to move in the supernatural. I have to have the Holy Spirit to satisfy my soul. You see, an intellectual gospel brings people ankle deep. The Pentecostal infilling of the Holy Ghost might even bring you waist deep. But the overwhelming life of the Spirit, the Spirit is found in those like the Bible writers who it says were carried along by the Holy Ghost. Don't you want to be there this morning? Don't you want to be carried along by the Spirit of God? What it says in here is, Where the sea emptied into the Dead Sea, the water became fresh. So think right back in the beginning when we looked at Genesis, that beautiful river flowed to the rest of the the earth and suddenly sin came in and corrupted it all and it's salty and it's stale and it's dead. But it says here that once the river of God hits it, it changes and it makes everything. That's the reversal of the curse so beautifully shown there. You can wade into Holy Spirit's waters over your head. You yield yourself. And that's hard because I'm a planner. Anybody else like to plan? Yeah. And I got it sorted out and I want it to be like this and I want it to look like that. But the Holy Spirit says, start Victoria. Stop doing all you think I need you to do and go with the river of God. Paul 
and I happened to be in Sunderland when the Sunderland refreshing was there. Anybody else went up to Sunderland? No. Right at the back, yeah. It, it transformed my life because the first time Paul and I had ever seen anybody completely saturated in the Holy Spirit. They talked different, they spoke different, they acted different. You could see, you wanted to be near people because that river was flowing out of them all the time. And this river is available today to you and to me. To walk by the Spirit means that every day, in every situation, you yield yourself to him, not relying on your thoughts and your ideas. I was at work last week and I was talking to a psychologist who works alongside me. And she was asking me questions and before she'd even got them out, my head was processing the answers. Ever been there? And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, Victoria, stop. Start to listen to what I want to say to her. Because if you go back to the woman at the well, he could have said anything, Jesus. But actually, he spoke to her exactly where she was. And what people need to know is that God knows them. I began to listen and the Holy Spirit said to me, tell her that her marriage can be saved. And I'm like, because I was at work mode and you're in this managerial mode and I'm thinking, you know, you've had them thoughts. What if I get this wrong? What if it's not right? What if, what if? And I thought, I'm abandoning myself to the river. And I said to her, do you know that your marriage can work? She burst into tears. All that does is open the heart for them to receive the word of God. But church, we've got to get better than just giving people words. We've got to get better than just thinking, right, I've given you a track and I've done my bit. We've got to give them the water of life. Jesus said, let him who is thirsty come and drink. There's not a lot of prerequisites for this except to be thirsty. The problem with most of us in modern day churches, we're not thirsty anymore because we actually quite like what we've got. It's comfortable. And actually it doesn't take a lot of our own life and we can come and we compartmentalise, well this is my church life and this is my work life and this is my social life and the Holy Spirit is saying, stop. Stop all that because if you want me in all my fullness, you have to realise what you have is not enough church. So are you thirsty this morning? Because I am. And, and all my children are serving God and it's great and Jordan is preaching and people are getting saved but I keep saying to him, it's not enough Jordan. Believe for the dead to be raised. Believe for the sick to be healed. Believe for greater things. Bethany's going to China to teach English to missionaries soon. Dangerous place. She's very academic but she needs more than academia. She needs the river of God to go with her, to flow out of her and change places. And I would say this morning, church, this is not to convict you or to condemn you. This is to raise up faith in you and say you can have so much more. You can have so much more of the precious Holy Spirit. Get to know him. Listen to his heart. Spend time with him. And it will transform the way you live your life. Here's the paradox. We can thirst and be satisfied and yet still thirst for more. I don't know how that's possible, but it is. Simply because there is no end to the reservoir of God who is infinite, eternal spirit. And there is no end to the capacity he gives you to drink this morning. It's not about him withholding something. It's about us not receiving something. 
Are you dry this morning? Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. It is right here that so many Christians miss it. They come to the bank of the river and they see the water. They understand the theology. They watch the waves lap up. They even see their own reflection, but they don't drink. It's possible. And Jesus said to me very, very clearly, Victoria, stop digging wells and just drink. Stop planning and purposing. And, and me and Paul have got a five-year plan. We have plans for everything, don't we, Paul? Um, and, and it's good to plan. I'm not saying don't plan. But what I'm saying is don't plan the Holy Spirit out of your life. Allow him to move and direct and shape. And, and you know, we've all got careers. Well, not all got careers. Some of us have got careers and you think, right, in five years I'll be this. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Have you abandoned yourself? Even in pastoral roles. Well, this is me now. Right, what will it look like in two years? Well, I might be here. You know, the Holy Spirit is saying, listen to me. And if you abandon yourself to that river, he will take you where you need to go. The thing about a river is it changes its environment. It moves its banks. It actually changes the landscape. So you don't know where God wants you in two years yet. You really don't. And you will see it with your tiny, finite mind. And God's saying, look up, church. There is so much more. Don't box me in. Jump into that river. What about spiritual thirst? Sometimes it seems we end up in a wilderness of the soul, spiritually dehydrated. God seems remote and far away. But there is always the river of God to quench your thirst. And it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how short you've been saved. The only thing the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning is drink. You see, believing is drinking and drinking is believing. Because if you believe this is possible, you will come to the water of life and say, I need you desperately. I can't do this without you. However long you've been saved, however much you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, there is more. Because if you are satisfied with what you have right now, you do not know the Holy Spirit. Because he's longing, he's absolutely longing. When David said, as the soul pants for the water, are you panting? Are you desperate? Are you absolutely thirsty for the well of living water? Then he's asking you to come this morning and drink of that water because he needs you to be full of the Holy Ghost to change your world, to change your environment. 